when Mark talks about putting this ointment on his head. But John talks about putting it on his feet. Now, I don't think that, uh, that there's any discrepancy in the, in the scriptures. Perhaps they put it on his head and his feet. But this shows humility. Humility to get down and, and anoint his feet and to wipe them with her hair. And this is what she did. And there was a question about this being a waste. It wasn't wasted. Whatever we do for God is not wasted. Whatever it is. Jesus said, if you just give a glass of water in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, you shall in no wise lose your reward. The Lord's going to remember uh, what we, we, uh, we do for, uh, for him. And then on down in verse number 12 through 22, uh, two, uh, Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem Riding on the donkey, the prophecy was fulfilled in the Old Testament uh, where it says, Fear not, uh, daughter of Zion, behold, uh, thy king cometh unto, unto thee, sitting on a, on a donkey's colt. Uh, and uh, that was a prophecy that was fulfilled. And they rejoiced and praised the Lord for what was done. They laid palm leaves in the way as Jesus entered into that city, uh, the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem where he was declared uh, uh, the king of the Jews. And then down in verse number th uh, 23, we see here that Jesus teaches the people here in verse 23. He says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now this word glorified here is talking about being honored. Uh, and he was honored. He was honored in, in what, uh, what he'd done. And, and, and so he's teaching them about the things that needed to be do, uh, needs to be done. And then uh, he goes on and talks about how that uh, he's going to, uh, to die, but yet he uses a grain of, of wheat here, or a corn of wheat, a grain of wheat. It uh, says, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. If it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Jesus said, What I'm doing is going to do the will of God. And it's going to bring about salvation for the people. It's going to produce what it was intended to produce. You can have corn and not plant it in the ground. You don't get any more corn. You eat that up and the corn's gone. But you plant that in the ground, uh, you get more. And that's what Jesus is saying here about his death in, in verse number 24. Verses number 20, uh, 20, uh, uh, 5 and 26. He talks about life here and there. He talks about life. He says, if, uh, if uh, he that loveth his life shall lose, uh, lose it, and if a man uh, will give his life, then he's going to, he's going to find it unto eternal life. Uh, and then he says, if any man will, uh, will, will serve me, let him follow me. If we're going to be a Christian, if we're going to follow the Lord, we need to uh, give up the things of this world and to follow him in the things uh, that he wants us to do. In verse number 27, the Bible said that his soul was troubled here in verse number 27. And he says, uh, uh, now is my soul troubled? Uh, what shall I say? Uh, Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Jesus says, that's why I came here to this earth was to go to the old rugged cross. He didn't come here to show us that he could walk on water. Uh, and Peter was the only one got out of the boat, by the way, and uh, walked on the water too as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord. Uh, but he didn't come here just for that. He didn't come here just to raise people from the dead. He didn't do that. He didn't come here to multiply the, uh, the food and, and, uh, and feed the multitudes with the little boy's lunch. Uh, he didn't come here just to do that. That wasn't the main purpose of him coming into this world. His main purpose of coming into the world was to go to the old rugged cross and giving his life uh, for us in order that we might be saved uh, from our sins. So he says, this is what I come for. 
This is what I come for. This is the hour that I was looking forward to. And then he, in verse number 28, he asked the Lord. He said, Father, glorify thy name. And the voice spoke from heaven. He said, I have glorified that name and I will glorify it again. And then in verse 30, it says, This voice came not because of me, Jesus says, but for your sake. And he says, Now is the judgment of this world come. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And then he makes this statement, which is a text that I want to talk to you for a few minutes. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That word draw is talking about here. Sometimes we talk about drawing, and we're talking about drawing pictures. Children understand that, drawn with the crayons on the, on the paper and on the wall and on the floor and wherever else they can get to, you know, on the bedspread, you know, and that's, that's children. They draw with that, but that's not the way the word is used here. The word is used here in the same way that we would talk about a magnet that draws the objects to it, the metal, the magnet. That's what it's talking about here. That's the idea. He said, I will draw all men unto me. That magnet pulls them. Uh, that magnet, Jesus was lifted up between the heavens and the earth. And by the way, folks, he, uh, uh, he was lifted up there not just because he was crucified. He was lifted up there he was, uh, and he was crucified and gave his life's blood in order that we could be saved from our sin. That's what he'd done on the old rugged cross. But he was exalted. He was exalted. Uh, there's never been a more important time in the world than the time when Jesus hung on the earth or hung on the cross between the heavens and the earth and stretched out his hands with his hands nailed to the cross, with his feet nailed to the bottom of the cross and lifted up his eyes toward heaven and made the statement, it is finished. There's never been a more a greater time of, of exaltation in the world than Jesus was lifted up for the sins of the world. Never has been a time. There never has been a more important occasion in history up till that time. And there's never been a more important occasion in history up till this present time than when Jesus was nailed there on the old rugged cross. The Old Testament, the Old Testament, the law wasn't completed. The law wasn't sufficient. It just put sins off from, uh, uh, from year to year. And it wasn't uh, sufficient there. And all the, uh, the things that, that the Lord gave people in the Old Testament, you remember how that they, uh, some of the saddest statements that's made was in the, in the time uh, when there was judges that was judging Israel, you know, God would raise up a judge and give him a, 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 a deliverer to get him out of that, that particular problem that they were in for Israel. And then the Bible says that there was no king and every man done what was right in his own eyes. And when that king, uh, that uh, judge would give him delivered, and when that judge would die, then they'd go right back to the same thing again. Just did not work. But when Jesus died, we have a personal relationship with God, and it doesn't matter what anybody else does. It's my responsibility to become a Christian for me. It's your responsibility to become a Christian for you. And the relationship is between God and the individual, and nobody, absolutely nobody can put us there, and nobody can take us away, folks. It's the Lord's work. And that's a relationship that we have because Jesus hung on the old rugged cross and did not come down. I'll tell you, he, uh, you remember that uh, the folks mocked him and made fun of him and said, if you be the son of God, come down from the cross. And one of the thieves that was nailed on the cross beside of him said, if you be the Christ, come down from the cross and save yourself and save me too. The other one rebuked his comrade. He says, listen, uh, brother, we're getting what we deserve. 
we deserve this. We've, we've committed crime and we're, they're, they're, they're doing to us the punishment that we deserve. But said, this man has done nothing to miss. And he turned to the Lord. He said, Lord, when you, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He said, today, this day, shall thou be with me in paradise. That's what love. That's the love that was shown on the old rugged cross. The first convert when, uh, after Jesus was crucified was the man that was nailed on the cross beside of him. Went to heaven with the Lord that very day. He went, he went with him. He says, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And that's a great time of exaltation. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now, the way that we're drawn to God is through and by. The Bible teaches us that uh, we're, we're, we're begotten by the word, conviction. Uh, you know, they, 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 it comes through, uh, it comes through the word of God, the preaching of the word. The Bible says that the, that the word is powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It tells us the truth. It, it, gets, us, it gets, uh, gets us to think. Uh, and, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. It, it draws people to the Lord. The, the Holy Spirit came after Jesus died on the cross and told his disciples, uh, he says, uh, uh, it's expedient for you that I go, uh, go away. If I don't go away, the comforter is not going to come. But I'm going to go to the Father, and I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send him, uh, and he says he's going to be a comforter. Uh, and he said, I'll not leave you comfortless, and that means he won't leave us as orphans, nobody to look after. See, Jesus had taught his disciples and trained them for some three and a half years and everything that they needed. They went to him and told him about it. Now he was going to be gone. He said, I won't leave you without anything. He said, I'm going to go to the Father, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit down here, and then he's going to deal with everybody on a personal basis. And the Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction to folks who are lost. Uh, it convicts them of their sin, reminds them that they need to get right with God. And it's amazing at the stories that we've heard of, of how the uh, conviction has come through the working of the Holy Spirit in various and, and sundry ways uh, in life, uh, that it can come. And it makes us think, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, and he will draw men, uh, all the men to him. And, and so we, can, we, can, we understand that, and that's the work. And Jesus was lifted up uh, uh, so that he could draw people to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're nearing the end time now. The Lord's soon coming. I believe that with all of my heart, that we're nearing the, the end. And pe people still need to hear this same old story that we've heard for years. You know, we, uh, uh, people write new songs and and, uh, and, and, and a, a, a big lot of them are forgotten about before long. And they write some more songs. And that's great. That's great. But you know, there's some of the old hymns that's been around for years. And uh, sometimes we get out of a habit of singing them, you know. And, and you know, most congregations sing just a handful of songs. And, and that's what we do. Most of uh, people use a book that's got uh, 200 songs in it. They probably use maybe as many as 25 uh, probably, and uh, no more than that most of the time, you know. But sometimes we go back and get some of those old songs that we heard when we were children. And they, they say, man, alive, where did you get that song? Sing that again. Sing that again next Sunday. That sounded good. Sing that again. 
uh, the, the old song. Romer was telling us the other night, we'd, we'd sung out of the hymn book and uh, come back next Sunday night. And, and I noticed when he got up here, you know, I was hunting for the book we was going to sing out of it. He still had the hymn book. He said, we got so many compliments last Sunday, we're going to sing out of it again this <laughs> Sunday. And I've just been lazy. We've been singing out of it just about ever since, I'll tell you. Uh, but, uh, but they're beautiful songs. Tell us a message. Tell us the story of Jesus Christ. The story we need to, uh, the, we need to, uh, and they need to hear that uh, same wonderful story. And it needs to be taught just like it was in, in Bible time. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that's the good news. The word gospel means good news, and the word, uh, the good, uh, the gospel of Christ is that He was crucified. That he died on the cross. He was exalted. He was lifted up. He was exalted and he paid the price for our sin. He was buried. He arose again the third day and ascended back up into heaven. And the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost and has been here ever since. Uh, convicting people of their sins and blessing Christians. And encouraging us and showing us the things that we need to do. And people need to hear about the Lord. And we lift him up in our lives. Christians need to tell people. Jesus says, therefore let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. Uh, we, we are an example. We are a light of the Lord. A city that's set on the hill that cannot be hid, Jesus said. And by the way, that's not a suggestion. That's a statement. They, he said, you're the light of the world. The light of the world. A city that's set on the hill and you can't hide it if it's on the hill. It's going to show, you see. Even if you put a wall around it, the light will shine out in the dark. And the darker it gets, the brighter your light shines, you see. And our light needs to shine. You say, but preacher, this world's in a mess. I'm aware of that. I know that. And people are not very much interested in getting right with God. I'm aware of that too. Uh, but that don't stop me from having a responsibility to tell them about the Lord. Not everybody will listen to me. But I'm hoping somebody does. I'm hoping that somebody does. And it's not my responsibility to make people get saved. It's just my responsibility to present the gospel to them of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the people who listen to me are going to have to answer to God for what they hear from me. And I'm responsible for what I say and what I do. So people, we need to lift the Lord up in our lives. Every day. We need to exalt him. Notice that's what he, and he was exalted on the old rugged cross, folks. I know it was a sad time, and I, I, I understand that, but he was exalted beyond measure. Uh, when he was there, that was the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made, ever been made. You remember that, uh, that, uh, uh, that Abraham, when he started to offer his son as a burnt offering to the Lord, and Abraham had in the back of his mind that God will raise him from the dead, and God wouldn't let him go through with that. God wouldn't let him go through with that. That was his son. Isaac was his son. And, and Abraham had the knife uh, uh, drawn back and ready to take his son's life. And God sent an angel down and said, get down there and stop Abraham. I don't want him to do that. I don't want him to do that. That would destroy him. That would destroy Abraham's life. Uh, uh, it, it would take something out. He can't do that. I can't let him do that. That's his son. Uh, that's his son. But when it come time for Jesus to come down to this earth and God loved us so very, very much that he turned his back on his son and let him down an old rugged cross at the uh, hands of wicked, cruel men. But the greatest time of exaltation that has ever been known in the history of the world was when Jesus hung between the heavens and the earth. 
reached up with one hand and got God, or reached down the other hand with God, got lost, fallen man, and brought us together. Reconciliation on the old rugged cross. And people need to hear that today. You say, but preacher, that's old-fashioned. That's the plan. That's the plan. Some things you don't change. Some things you don't change. When something is perfect, you leave it just exactly like that. But So we need to, today, we need to, uh, to exalt him and lift him up and so that people can see Christ. People need to see Christ in our words. How we talk. Not just the words we say, but how we say them. They need to see Christ in our life. Kindness goes a long ways. Talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and, it, and it talks about, about uh, gentleness and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, that goes along with the fruit of, uh, as, as the fruit of the Spirit. So our words, we need to lift Christ up. Even if you have to tell people something that you don't want to tell them, that it's necessary that you get that message across to them, tell them with a spirit of love. Tell them with a spirit of concern. That's what you need to do. Church was in need of a pastor, and a pastor, or preacher come one Sunday and preached. If the righteous uh, scarcely be, uh, not, that wasn't as, uh, they inhale, he lifted up his eyes. You remember uh, that the rich man and Lazarus, that Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and inhaled, he lifted up his eyes. And they preached, this, uh, that, that man preached that sermon that Sunday morning. And the person who was the chairman of the, of the pulpit committee uh, got the folks together after the service was over and said, and fellas, what do you think about it? said, I think he done a good job. I think he done a real good job. But one of those men that was on that committee says, I don't believe that we ought to call him. I just don't feel like in my heart that he's the kind of pastor that we really need. And so, uh, they, uh, so they just left it, you know, they, uh, they, and, and, and went on. And, and a few weeks later, they had another man come that preached on exactly the same sermon, the exactly the same scripture. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. And this man who was a chairman of the pulpit committee thought in his heart, well, I might as, not, I might as well not ask him. The man done a good job, a bang-up job, wonderful fellow. And they thought, well, he sure. And, and this man that was the, the, the chairman of that committee, he, maybe he was desperate, but he thought it would be a good pastor. And he says, well, I owe it to the church that's put me in this position, and I owe it to the people of this church to talk to the committee about this. But he said, I know it won't do any good because he preached the same sermon that the preacher preached two or three weeks ago. And he went in the room, and he sat down, and he talked with them people. And that man that has said, I don't think we ought to call the pastor that preached two or three weeks ago on the same subject was the first one spoke up, says, brother, I think we ought to call that man he seems like the fellow that we really need. He said, brother, I'm going to ask you a question. He says, how come that man that preached on this same subject the other Sunday, you didn't want to call him? He says, that man kind of talked like he was hoping that some of them would go there to hell. But says, this man talked like he wanted to rescue them. That ought to ring a bell in our lives. I read a statement not long ago. A man made this statement that knew D.L. Moody. And he said, I feel like the D.L. Moody is maybe the only person that I ever heard preach in my whole life that was worthy to preach about hell. He said, every time I ever heard him preach about hell, that he cried all the way through the sermon. Makes a difference, folks. They need to see Christ in our life, in our words.
They need to see him in our works, our actions, what we do, how we do it, how we react to situations. And then they need to see it in our will. Our will is a mental faculty by which uh, one deliberately chooses or decides upon a course of action. And the noun for that word will uh, means determination to complete a goal, motivation, willpower, desire, drive. We don't give up on trying to win people to the Lord. You don't give up. You got to do it. Several years ago, over at Lebanon, a Mr. Dickinson had a farm that right on the edge of town, a beautiful farm. And uh, they got a tractor about, uh, back years ago. We had uh, uh, two boys. I'm not sure he had other children or not, but he had two boys that was twins. And they stayed there on the farm. Both of them built them a house there on the farm. And one of them was coming to town one day, and he was riding the, the tractor to town. And uh, uh, up right at the edge of town, there was a service station over here on the left. And he was coming towards town. And some reason or another, he, uh, he got off the road with that tractor and ran up on the bank. And the tractor turned over on him. And this fellow was telling me about it. And he said, there's a whole bunch of men at that service station that, uh, that particular day. And they saw this tractor turn over. And he said, boys, we got to get it off of him. We got to get it off of him. And he said he remembered over there and there's enough of those men to get around that tractor and a farm tractor is heavy. And especially if you're trying to pick it up the back end of it, it's heavy. And he says they got under that tractor and they pulled it up enough to where it gave some relief and they, uh, somebody could get a hold of him and started pulling him out and said somebody says, I can't hold it any longer. And said he says, you've got to hold it. You can't let it down. And he said those men buckled down and held that tractor up until they pulled her free enough from under it. And his life was saved. That's the way it is in our life. We have to lift him up. We can't let the world discourage us. We can't let the people today that's turned their back on God discourage us. We have to lift up the name of Christ. We've got to. We can't give up. Our families are counting on us. Our friends are counting on us. God is counting on us. So let's make sure that we lift the Lord Jesus Christ up in our life. Best testimony you'll ever give is how you live. That's the best testimony that you'll ever have. That's the best sermon you'll ever preach, how your life is lived. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I ask you to come and give your heart to him while you've got time. Brother Omer, would you come and lead us in an invitation song, please?